Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the super esteemed, the debonair, the unaccomplished, but redolent, venerable, definitely bumptious, sanguine, and middling Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew? Middling, just like the San Francisco Giants. Just like your favorite baseball team. That's right. Com- completely and totally average. Completely and totally. You can't get more average than the San Francisco Giants. No, and you know what I loved? They, 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 they. After going losing the first two games of this series, they pulled it out in a complete a game that mattered not at all to the Padres. They pulled it out, and they achieved what you know few people thought they would just a month ago: middle place. Yes, and what's interesting is they were eighty-one and eighty-one, which is the first time in franchise history that the Giants have finished at exactly five hundred. Right. And so last year they set a record for wins with 107. Yep. This year they nailed 500 perfectly for the first time, which means next year they'll set a record for most losses. No, no, no. Next, I was <laughs> no? thinking next year will be somewhere between 81 and 107. Ah, uh, you know. But I'm totally being sanguine, maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it is very sanguine of you to say. <laughs> That is very sanguine of you to say. Um, yeah, because right know, now we have nobody on the team, right? So it's uh, yeah. Well, we have David VR, and thank goodness for that. Thank goodness. Did, did you know he's got nine home runs? He finished the season with nine home runs. Yeah, not bad. Thir- Thirty-six not... home runs on the season between AAA and 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 the majors, which you know is more than anybody since Barry Bonds has hit. Uh, <laughs> you know, Barry Bonds hit forty-five, and uh, you know I don't know, so. You know, I would bag on the Giants for that, but they also won three World Series in that time as well. So I'm just gonna, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna give them a pass, I guess. Yeah, what they've done since Barry is win three World Series. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, I won't bag on them too hard for that. But I definitely did not have David VR hitting nine home runs for the for the Major League Giants uh, this year. That was not in our our preseason. Um, predictions which we're going to review later in the show yeah spoiler alert not pretty not pretty at all <laughs> no no definitely not middling <laughs> yeah in fact yeah as we were going through them we had done them in a certain order and we were going through them and we could tell when we got really drunk during that we episode could. Cause... we could we're, yeah yeah and, you yeah. know it's, they definitely got more sanguine you know <laughs> coming off that we had that definitely we had 107 win cockiness for sure for sure Yes. For sure. But not anymore. Not anymore. All right. So uh, what is today? Today is Wednesday, October 5th, as we record this podcast, the last day of the season. And, oh, that reminds me. I have a question for you, Matthew. Oh, okay. What are you doing on Friday?
I um I'm actually coming back from San Francisco from a work trip and then probably heading to cross country practice with my for my kids and cool. uh and finishing off with a nice stiff cocktail. That's probably what's happening nice. on Friday. Nice. Was that the right answer? Because I, I don't even know what the answer was supposed to be. Yeah, I'm actually going to Atelier Crenn tomorrow, which is a, a three Michelin star um, restaurant. I'll screw you. Owned by uh, owned by an Iron Chef now. She's an Iron Chef now, Dominique Crenn. Anyway, uh, so I'll be I'll be hopefully uh, remembering that. But what I won't be doing is watching the Giants play ba- playoff baseball because um, that's when the playoffs start. And, uh, yeah, so that was it. Today was the last day of the season for our San Francisco Giants. As we already mentioned, they went 2-4 and four for the week on the week to bring their record. Is that correct? They lost two out of four. To, they lost one. They went one and two against Arizona as well? No, I don't think they did. No, they went two and one. Yes. I wrote this down here incorrectly. You did. You're, you were you were not being sanguine enough. No, I wasn't. So they were three and three for the week. Which, you know, is apropos since they were five for that's, the whole That's week. right. That's right. And so they went two and one against the Diamondbacks, proving that they are... A superior organization to the Diamondbacks. Woo-hoo! There was a moment. <laughs> it's like, hey, small victories, man. Small victories because in uh, late, you know, late August, there was a little doubt. It really, there was a little there doubt. Was doubt. Yes, there was. There was doubt. I mean, September. Uh, sorry, July and August were absolute abysmal, and uh, quite frankly, the Giants looked like the worst team in baseball. They looked worse than the Rockies to me. They looked worse than the Nationals, and uh, but they rallied late in the. You know, they made a pointless charge. That meant nothing, but you know they they finished eight uh you know uh eighty one and eighty one. But of course, they topped everything off going one and two against the Padres in games that the Padres probably really didn't care about. Although I think the where did the Padres end up? Did they end up with the top wild card spot, or did they? Yeah. It was the Phillies, the Padres, <laughs> and um who's the first wild oh it's the, the Mets. Mets so no yeah no yeah the Padres were never in a the Padres were never going to be able to play a home game no uh and the end result is the Padres have to go to New York to place the Mets uh over the weekend um and win two out of three there or their season is over and uh I don't think they're going to do that but that's the last we're going to say about the Padres today uh let's see what else do we do on this show Matthew what do we do oh that's right we drink. Yes, we drink. And and whose turn is it to go first? We didn't. We I didn't think do it that. is mine. Hmm. 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 Well, that's good. I'm excited to talk about mine. Mine's really good. But Bob, before we get to my awesome cocktail, let's see what Matthew's cooked up. Hit him with the question. What are you drinking, Matthew? Bob. So let me backstory here. Little backstory. I had a charity golf tournament on Friday, and I decided for one of the hospitality holes that I was going to create uh, and make old fashions for the golfers, and uh, using my own special recipe. And so I made uh, over the equivalent of a hundred old fashions. But like half the size. So really it was like 50 old fashions because I I was serving them in a smaller cup. Uh, But I can't do math at all. 
And so what I thought was making a hundred actually was like a hundred and thirty or something like that. So so by the time when I finished with the with with the golf tournament, I still had like a pitcher full of old fashions because I made them uh, batches. Uh, and so I've been having these in my refrigerator now since uh, since Friday. And I just, you know, go to the fridge and plunk in an ice cube into my into my my old fashioned glass and I pour myself a little bit of the batched old fashions and uh, have a little sip. And so today I'm bringing that to the show because I had a cross country meet earlier today and really didn't feel like making a cocktail. So it was great to have this cocktail available to me. And my old fashioned, I will say there's, so an old fashioned is, there is a template, right? It is a, it's spirits with sugar and bitters with a little bit of water. Right. And that's that's the general template of of an old fashioned and generally old fashioned is made with bourbon or rye. And so in this case, I'm using good old Elijah Craig bourbon. And uh, and if I were to I made it in a batch, but if you're going to just do one, then that would be two ounces of of Elijah Craig uh, bourbon. And uh, then I I made my own syrup. And that's the fun part about doing old fashions at home is I made a Demerara gum vanilla syrup. And I know that sounds kind of like hard to do or sounds a little. It's like like chewing gum. Like what do you. you... Well, so first of all, you have to you have to have this uh, this ingredient called it's a powder called gum acacia and you can get it on Amazon. And uh, it what it does when you mix it with warm waters, it creates a gel like a like a, a gel kind of 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 consistency. And so you take a four tablespoons of the gum acacia, mix it with a quarter cup of hot tap water, and then you put it, I put it into a little uh, jar with a lid and I shook it all up. And then you just let it sit, take off the cover, let it sit until it becomes uh, room temperature and, and it will gel up. It becomes this kind of gelled uh, liquid there. Uh, and then I make my Demerara syrup with one cup of Demerara sugar and three quarter cups water. And after I get the, the, I warm it up on the stove and I get the water warm enough to where the Demerara sugar starts to, to dissolve. And once it's dissolved, then I add the acacia liquid into it and I stir it for another five minutes or so. And then you let it cool. Oh, and then I add like a couple teaspoons of vanilla extract. And let it let it uh, simmer there for about five minutes, and then uh, let it cool. And when it cools, what's nice about it is it creates this uh, kind of viscous syrup that's really nice on the mouth. It's got a, what they call mouth feel when you include it in a cocktail, and it's silky smooth. And so it's got this kind of vanilla, like molasses, kind of sugary syrup with a little bit of of texture to it. It's it, it's hard to explain, but it's wonderful in an old-fashioned. So that's my syrup. I do half an ounce of that. And then just a couple of bar spoonfuls of the Luxardo cherry syrup that comes in the Luxardo cherry jar. And mix that with some ice. Oh, and then, I'm sorry, and then three dashes of Angostura bitters and two dashes of orange bitters. And then I mix that in a mixing glass with ice, uh, dilute it a little bit. That's where the water comes in. You dilute it a little bit. And then you pour it into a rocks glass with maybe some fresh ice, a big, large ice cube. And then this is important. You spritz a little bit of orange peel over the top and you garnish it 
with some Luxardo cherries. Now, for this tournament, I bought the huge, like, gallon jar or, or can of Luxardo cherries. And I'd say there's probably 500 cherries in this can. Uh, I would say also that it's probably a good deal because uh, I paid like 40 or 50 bucks for it. And there's probably at least like, you know, a regular jar of Luxardo is like 20 bucks. And so it's definitely a good deal. So right now I have four Luxardo cherries in my old fashioned right now because I was like, why not, man? I got this whole like jar of, of old fashioned or of cherries. So, so that is my old fashioned that I'm drinking today. I have poured a liberal glass because I made a batch of it ahead of time and I'm feeling pretty good right now. So that's what I'm drinking today, Ben. Well, that sounds very tasty. I, I commend you for making that in such a large batch. Um, I commend you for, for doing the chemistry with your acacia gum. And uh, yeah, how how did the golfers like your uh, your cocktail? So there was one golfer, and I, I, I will say I understood where he was coming from, that said that it was too sweet for him. And, and I understand that because this is to my taste and I do like things a little bit sweeter. And, you know, if you're if you're one that likes to really kind of taste the bourbon, then definitely dial back a little bit on the syrup. Yeah. You know, uh, but but I like I like a little, a little balance between the sweet and the bourbon. And uh, so so he was the only, but everyone else, people came back for seconds. There was a guy that told me it was the best old fashioned he'd ever had. Now, he could have just had crap old fashions at like, you know, maybe Oracle Park and maybe that's what he's comparing it to. But <laughs> but uh but I was I felt good nonetheless. And and so yeah, it was well received. People really really liked it. So, um I that's why I'm bringing it to the game today or to our show. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I, old fashions are are everywhere and, and the recipes are always very very different. Uh, I would say that one guy who said yours was the best ever Maybe it was, you know, uh, but I, you know, he's probably either had these super spirit forward ones and he probably likes sweet cocktails, mm -hmm. right? Which there is no shame in. I like sweet cocktails. We all, we all know that. I mean, you know, we all know that I went through my Aperol spritz phase earlier in the season, <laughs> um, but that lasted about four days. Uh, and, um, or they come very watered down, right? Like that's, that's a more older kind of, um, you know. Um, template, or at least version of that template, is to is to put more water in it than, yeah. than we do now. And I wouldn't add water to an old fashioned. I think you you, you stir it with some ice, get it to a little diluted through the ice, uh, and then mm -hmm. strain it into a new glass with some fresh ice. I think is is a much better way to kind of temper some of that bite from the from the bourbon. Uh, right. Don't need to add water because you because then right. you add too much, and then you're like it's like li it's like a it's like a light old fashioned. Right. Right. Well, adding a little bit of water though to to just straight bourbon or straight whiskey. Oh, it's nothing wrong. Can with actually that. help yeah. bring out the, uh, the the flavors a little bit. But anyway, sounds very very nice. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I again, I commend you for the acacia gum thing. I'll, I'll have to try that sometime in the future. Um, you know, I I, I have trend, tended to st st um, shy away from those those torts of so, those torts those sorts of activities. Wow, I can't even speak yet, and I'm only. <laughs> I'm only an inch into my cocktail. Um, it's going to get fun, anyway, folks. Bob, hit me. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Uh, today, I am drinking a Tradewinds cocktail. And why am I drinking a Tradewinds cocktail? Because it's tiki. 
and no other reason. That's it. It's tiki. You know, what I'm realizing is this probably would have been a better cocktail to feature in late July early. during the trade deadline. Exactly. Exactly. You know, when uh, when the Giants acquired season changer J.D. Davis. That's right. Uh, and did absolutely nothing else. Um, you know, uh, I will say, though, that this cocktail, the trade wins that I made, is way more satisfying than our trade deadline was. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so what is it? Well, the trade winds is a, a tiki cocktail that comes from the 1970s. Um, the, the history on this cocktail is pretty light. All all that anybody really knows is it just like, they think it came from somewhere in the Caribbean in the late seventies when, when tiki was, was dying out, you know, tiki died just before disco did. Um, but you know, never really went away. Like the Bee Gees, you know, the Bee Gees wrote most of the great hits of the 80s. Okay, maybe not most, but they wrote a lot. They just gave them to other artists because people hated them by then. Unfairly, unjustly. But this isn't a diatribe about the Bee Gees. This is a review of the trade winds. And uh, let, let me just give it another taste here. This is a cocktail that I think it, the combination of its parts creates something very unique and different. Like, it's very difficult for me to call out any particular flavor in here. Um, but I will tell you this. It is a very boozy cocktail. So what's in it? Well, first, it comes with an ounce of dark rum. Uh, in this particular one, I'm using Kaloa dark rum from Kauai. Those of you who were listening in June, you remember. I got COVID there. <laughs> uh, but I also brought back some dark rum. I use that in here. Uh, and then it also calls for an ounce of light, um, either gold rum or white rum. And then it calls for an ounce of apricot liqueur. Now, the recipes that I found were very vague about what this liqueur should be. And there are there's a wide variety of apricot liqueurs. I, being the kind of guy that I am, I went for a high proof liqueur, about 40% alcohol. Uh, and it calls for an ounce of that. And then I dropped in an ounce and a half of cream of coconut. I saw a lot of different recipes that just kind of ran the gamut of, of coconut cream, which is less sugar, and then also coconut syrup, which is uh, which is more has has a higher water content in it. Uh, but most recipes called for cream of coconut. I saw some of them go as high as three ounces Ooh. for the cream of coconut. Yeah. Yeah, which would be very coconutty and very, very sweet. Um, and it, it, particularly if you're using a very sweet apricot liqueur, I would I would urge you not to do that. But again, if you like super, super sweet cocktails, do that. In my case, I did an ounce and a half. Um, and then you put in an ounce of, of lemon juice. I had Meyer lemons, so I'm using those, which have a very distinct flavor. And honestly, I love it in this cocktail. I, I think I probably would be disappointed if I were to remake it with regular lemons. Um, but you put all of that, um, I put all of that into, into my cocktail glass, and then I put it with uh, crushed ice, and I swizzled it. Um, a lot of recipes also call for blending it instead. But you all know that I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the blender. You know, if it gets too, too, if the ice gets too fine, it starts to feel like a slushy, and then that feels like lazy, and you know, I don't know, unsophisticated college kid drink. You know what I mean? And uh, so, so I went with the swizzle route, 
And it ends up creating this very, very drinkable, very pleasant um, uh, cocktail. Yeah, that has a flavor profile that's really hard to pin down. You definitely don't taste the rum. Hmm. So again, like most tiki cocktails, you can just, you know, well, I don't know. I wouldn't say this about the Mai Tai, but a lot of tiki cocktails, you can drink this one straight down and never realize that you're, you know, three sheets to win. Half in the bag. Yeah. Wasted. Annihilated. Um, Unaccomplished. Unaccomplished middling. (laughs) The next thing you know, your record's 81 and 81. (laughs) And the season's over. (laughs) Hate it when that happens. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. But anyway, uh, unlike unlike the 2022 Giants, this cocktail was very satisfying. Uh, And um, I I, I, I would make this one again. I would make this a lot, actually. Um, This might be one of my new favorites. So it's going to go along next to the um, 31 other cocktails. Yes, yes. Currently my favorites. Yes. Ben's, uh, if you've followed us over the course of the last couple of years, Ben has lots of favorites. I still associate the daiquiri as being like your favorite, though. I I don't know why. The daiquiri and the French 75. Oh, yes. Anything with champagne. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Well, but the French 75 in in particular. Um, And then there's another cocktail that's definitely not as popular. I don't like this one as much as those two, but it's out of the 12 bottle bar book and it's called the Fitzgerald, which is basically just a French 75 without the champagne. Oh, and instead of, and, and you add bitters. But anyway, there you go. That's my cocktail. I think it's time to but talk about Giants get, then. It's a time to talk about Giants. <laughs> you know, have we ever thought about talking about something else? Well, well, before we start talking about the Giants, I do want to add on about your your tikiness that you've kind of embraced mm-hmm. over the last, because that's not a calm, I mean, it's not common for for people to really embrace the tikiness the way you have. Although there are people out there that have built tiki bars in their backyard and yeah. totally jumped into the tikiness. Uh, so I I would encourage people to really explore the world of tiki, uh, the the rum, and especially if you're into cocktails that have that sweet you know kind of you know profile, because. Uh, there's a lot there. There's so many options, and you, you've been proving it the last few weeks. And just yeah, how many things oh, you can it's do? A whole, it's a whole vibe, you know. It's like yeah, you want to build a bar, you want to build a build a, a human cave. Yeah, you know, like a, a man or a woman or a non-binary cave. Well, um, I'm thinking you as, can make it a tiki cave, right? And as as a kid, you know, we went to Disneyland, and there's the tiki bar there. And I gotta say, you know, when I'm in there and all the little so- all the little birds are singing yeah. and things, the animatronic birds and all that. <laughs> the satiki room. I yeah. I never associated that with booze. Like I like I was so oblivious. I was just like, oh, dancing. And I'm sure all the all of our parents and the adults are all like, yeah, let's have some tiki. Uh, well, I mean, tiki is a is a is a, is more than just alcohol. But I mean, like when you apply it to to the cocktail world, it, it has a vibe. It has its it's its own thing beyond just cocktails. But uh, I thought you were gonna say I loved going to the tiki bar when I was a kid at Disneyland, and I was like, what? Um, I will say that there is a, um, there is a, I can't remember, is it Trader Vic's? Yes. There's a bar, there's a bar at the Disneyland Hotel in Disneyland, and I haven't been to that bar since I was 13 or 14 years old. 
you know, so it's been a long time since I've had those cocktails. Um, no, no, sorry, I'm confusing trips. I'm confusing trips. We did go when right. you were 13 or 14, but, you know. Probably not to Trader Vic's. No. Um, Although uh, our mom probably the... did. <laughs> Shout out to you, Mom. All right. So. Hey! <laughs> All right, we should talk about the Giants. And, and particularly, I think we need to rewind back to our f- episode right before the start of the season. And we made some predictions. And and I and and I got I'm looking at the cocktails that we made that day. I would categorize them more like wild guesses. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. I especially in in hindsight. Yes. Uh, wild guesses is is more appropriate. Uh, really wild guesses. Wild turkey guesses. Could have been. Although no, tequila guesses in my in my uh, in my case, and champagne guesses in your case, because the cocktail that I made was a tequila old fashioned, and the cocktail that you made was a California twenty two. A California twenty two, right? Which is just a French seventy five with a different name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that explains a lot. It does. It does. So, listeners, when, uh, you know, be kind to us as we were. We were. We two. We were coming off a hundred and seven win season and feeling our oats, and we were also drunk. So feeling, just take that. Feeling our oats. What does that even mean? I don't know. I heard it once. I don't. I don't know. It means I've it means, heard, it I've means, heard other it means that we're feeling good. I, like I, I don't I, know. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. We were feeling our. Oats. I, don't, I don't think I made that up, though. I, I think that's a thing. I think it's a saying. If, if but you sew them and then later you feel them, or you feel them and then you sew them. Uh, you feel them and then you sew them. We're feeling. <laughs> our oats. I, I don't. Oh, great, great. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, All right. So the first prediction get... that we asked was. What pitcher and what position player won't finish the season in the Giants organization? And we both we both nailed the pitcher because it was obvious at the time, right? I mean, Tyler Beatty was out of options and he hadn't been pitching well. And we knew that he was starting the season with the roster, but there really was the writing was on the wall for Tyler, right? Was that this year? It was Tyler this year. Be- it was. Unless I'm no, no, it was this year. I- Tyler Beatty? Tyler Beatty started the season with the San Francisco Giants. Who? <laughs> you know, former uh, phenom for the Giants, rising star, then had uh, then had uh, the um, the surgery on his elbow, and then you know, and then now he's a Pittsburgh Pirate. I don't even know if he ended up with the. I know he ended up with the Pirates, but I don't know if he ended the season with the Pirates. Although they were so bad that maybe he did. I, d- I don't know. He pitched in twenty five games for the Pirates. In 51 innings, and his ERA plus was 80. Oh. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, Giants. Uh, the Giants. Yeah, I saw that. So, so Ben, you also mentioned as a position player, you mentioned arguably our most dependable infielder through the whole season, Tyro Estrada. I, on the other hand mentioned Mauricio Dubon. Now now I'm actually thinking about back to this moment and I think I may have tricked you. This is into... yeah, this is complete bull crap because I think I referred to him as our starting second baseman. And you had like somehow bamboozled me 
into making it a choice between those two, and then you chose first. That's right. I, I, I think that was the case. But it's written here that I chose Mauricio Dubon and you chose Tyro Estrada. So, so I'm going with that. Uh, you know, it, it's, it is what it is, man. So yeah, I was, you know, and what it was once was again I was the right little brother being tricked, being tricked <laughs> by his older brother. That's what happened there, folks. Oh. Uh, and then question number two was most likely to lead the team in being optioned: Jason Vossler, Luke Williams, mm. or Jacob Junis. Oh wow! And I wish it was Vossler. Was it Vossler? Who who do we know what the answer was? Good question. You know, I actually didn't look this one up. We looked up all the other ones, didn't we? But I think we kind of blew through this one. But I do know that Luke Williams was released by the Giants uh, early in the season. Ended up with the Miami Marlins. Played 75 games with them. And Vossler, and we mentioned this last week, didn't get optioned enough. Like, I felt like he should have been playing a lot more uh, with the Major League Club. But let's go down. No, that's definitely true. That was definitely true. He, you know, he's definitely a platoon guy. He he only performs, I mean, he, he hits um, he hits righties better than he hits lefties. But you know what? Most pitchers are righties. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think, and, and he had a great season, especially when he was facing right-handers. Um I think we did not see enough of Vossler. Uh, we saw way too much of, of Padlow and um, Walton. So I did see that Vossler was optioned four times and Jacob Junis was optioned three times. So Vossler okay. was optioned more than Junis. Junis actually was optioned on the last day of the season today. Um, <laughs> of course he or, was. Or earlier this week, rather, I should say, just to make room for more pitchers. After his last start, they needed more more uh more reinforcements so he was optioned out right right cuz junus played a great you know really strong part of our season i mean he was part of this rotation especially after desclafani went down uh that was probably the uh the strength of the of the team this year yeah i mean yeah starting pitching was at without a doubt the strength of the team i uh, yeah all right on to the next pick who cares all right who cares so this one we were really wrong really wrong <laughs> it was we were trying to predict the debut date of elliot ramos and yeah. and you were like super confident that it was going to be earlier it was going to be july 21st and i was like nah after the trade deadline it'll be in august so i chose august 3rd in fact it was april 10th like two days into the season <laughs> After it was the third, he he actually got activated, yeah. option activated and started uh, the third game of the season, but was not on the roster to start the season. But then was optioned off later on, and and we hardly ever saw Elliot. He came back in September. Well, he went two for twenty in twenty-two plate appearances for a batting average of one hundred, an on-base percentage of one eighty-two, a slugging percentage of one hundred for an OPS of 282 and an OPS plus of negative 17. Is that bad? That but, sounds bad. Well, well 100 is 100 is average, right? So I've never so heard negative of a negative 17. OPS plus. How are you making that up? 
No, it's ne- he was a negative OPS plus. I mean, his, his WAR was negative zero point five. So he like, was he he, he, he cost was the team wins is what you're saying. He cost the teams half a win. If not for Heliot Ramos being called up, we would have been eighty two and eighty two and eighty. <laughs> You know, and remember, like, fans, I mean, come on. I, I This is on you. Remember how many you were so sure, like, oh, we got to call him up. He should make the opening day roster. Like, you know, let's, yeah, yeah, everybody was so excited about him. And I'm not saying, like, I'm there. I'm there with you, right? I thought he was going to be called up in July. You know, I felt like he was ready, too. Like, yeah, let's bring up the kids. Let's start making these minor leagues work for us to our advantage. And boy, were we wrong. I mean, Heliot Ramos, to me, and I know I've, I've, I was yelling this probably two months ago, and I still believe it's true. He's a never will be. Never. He's a never will be. He's never going to pan out. Um, he, he is not going to be a bench player. He's not going to be, certainly not going to be a regular starter or a platooner. And he's definitely not going to be an all-star, right? None of these things are going to happen. He is a never will be. He needs at least another year to even get the opportunity to prove that. Um, so, you know, and and I, I think this is a really good example for like how the fans, like as fans, we really don't know crap. (laughs) right like we don't have any idea what we're talking about uh which is why we're fans and uh and you know you know like we can all get together and we can all get angry and i think we all have lots of reasons to be angry right because even though we're not so good at picking who the right players are we know that the pundits certainly don't look at the minor leagues for the giants and think it's great um but at the end of the day, you know, like we were all sure Ramos was the guy. Folks, he's not the guy. Not the guy. Not the guy. I'm sure he's a nice fellow and I wish nothing but the best for him. But it's, you know, maybe he'll be a good coach because, you know, those who can't teach, <laughs> as they say. You know who, who also never turned out to be the guy was Michael Conforto. We, we asked the question, will the giant sign... Michael Conforto, and he wasn't the guy for anyone this year. You were drunk when you put that question on the list. I think I distinctly remember saying this question shouldn't even be on the list. Like, who is Michael Conforto? He was linked to the Giants. He was supposed to be one of those, like, free agents, like like Castellanos, who also ended up, you know, even though he played, probably shouldn't have. Uh, and, and so he was linked to the Giants and and the Giants have this history of grabbing guys you know buying low and 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 you know Conforto was injured and maybe there was an opportunity to grab him and or actually I think he had a wow. qualifying offer maybe attached to him there was a lot of stuff going on with Conforto but Con- he had a qualifying offer and then he turned it down yeah but but he turned um, it down so that meant that there were draft picks attached to him being right, signed right so he became even more expensive to sign and, and and just so his OPS plus for the last for from 2017 to 2021 was 148, 122, 127, 154, and then 100 in 2021 when he did get hurt at the end of the season. Um, so actually a very a very very good hitting outfielder. He's a left-handed bat, so I don't know that we had a lot of left-handed needed, bats. Yeah. Needed another left-hander, but but a good player. Definitely a good player, uh, and he was only 28 years old, right? 
Um, but yeah, he ended up not signing with anybody. He he because he had those picks attached to him. He had to wait until I think July, late July, the trade deadline. It was July. Maybe, yeah. It was July thirty first. Yeah, um, and uh, before those, before that, that albatross was lifted from his neck, and and nobody was going to touch him until then. He he realized, and so he just opted to have surgery on his shoulder. So he'll be a free agent. <laughs> he'll be a free agent. Yeah. He well, this be, will be the oh, next oh. question on our next episode of Will the Giants Sign Michael Conforto? <laughs> they will when they don't get Aaron Judge. Yes. Yes. All right. And that maybe a little foreshadowing of a future future segment here. But all right. Uh next question. <laughs> so this is this is how we thought at the beginning of the year. We were like Luke Williams. Luke Williams is gonna be the the new Jason Vossler. He's gonna be around, he's gonna play all these positions. And you know, he had played like seven positions or eight positions, I think, um, in his major league career. And so we were like, oh my gosh, he's like Kapler's wet dream. There's gonna be we're going to see Williams everywhere. So the question was, how many positions will he play? Ben was optimistic. Ben said nine positions. And and I was I'm going to I was I, I think I was like, well, he's not going to play catcher. Right. So I, I chose eight. So so I want to defend myself here, please, because you need to I, defend yourself. I know that all of our listeners care deeply about our predictions for Luke Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we're grasping at straws. I'm just amazed that you downloaded any listening. <laughs> so, so thank you for that. Okay. You probably okay, forgot so, that Luke Williams was on the team, listeners. So yeah, we're here you're to like, remind you, know, you that Luke Williams was going to be a big part of 2022. He's a blonde guy. He's kind of got wispy hair. It looked like it was a little bit long down to his shoulders almost. Yeah, it looks like yeah. maybe he walked in on a surfboard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, my thinking was that that they were going to use him a lot and that he I think he had options. He uh, he had played, you know, what, eight positions before. And I was really betting on Gabe Kapler here. Like, I thought, okay, Gabe Kapler, loving to do all of his, like, maneuvers, would love to have a guy like this, right? Like, he would find ways to get Luke Williams in, you know, here, there, and everywhere. And I really had visions of Luke Williams filling the role that Luis Gonzalez ended up filling, which is position player pitcher. Right. I thought, OK, because like then you can have a guy play all nine, nine you know, positions and then maybe he'd do something crazy, like do it all in one game. <laughs> and I thought Kapler would just love him. But for some reason, I, I don't know, they did. He just seemed to fall out of their favor. And then poof, he was just gone. He was gone. And Jason Bossler survived. So, you know, uh, so and Luke Williams ended up playing five different positions with the Marlins. And so, you know, mainly because they didn't have Gabe Kapler managing their team. So, uh, but he did play five. He played uh, left field and then all the infield positions, I believe. So, uh, did uh, you know he played? He played definitely a variety of positions. I don't think he played shortstop. But anyway. Okay. Oh, that's right. DH was the other one. Yeah. All right. So the next question was, how many times will Logan Webb pinch hit this season? Now, this was a question that was, you know, if you recall, in 2021, uh, Logan Webb had his last at bat of the season hit a home run. And... And and so we knew that the DH was going to be a thing for 2022. And so, you know, Logan Webb hit a home run in his last professional at bat. So we were thinking with the amount of times that Kapler screws up the lineup heading into over uh, heading into extra innings, uh, 
that inevitably Logan Webb was going to be the first pitcher off the bench when he ran out of position players uh, in the extra innings. So Ben, Ben said three times. I said six, and this is where I got to say, this is where the tequila was kicking in, folks. This is where the old-fashioned was starting to kind of factor in. Because six times, like, I'm... And that was more of an indictment on Kapler than anything else. Uh, ended up being, of course, zero times. You know, we did not see one Logan Webb pinch hit this season. Which I think we are poor for it, to be honest. But, uh, oh well. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought for sure we would see more of this because Kapler was so bad with those line shifts. Well, and and I, just, I think some of the problem was that we never actually saw line shifts this year. I mean, so many people were struggling and injured and out, and there just wasn't an opportunity for him to, like, empty the bench the way he did in years past. And plus, the, the DH does kind of provide a little bit of, uh, uh, of, of stability there in the lineup. Yeah, you don't need to do it as much because of the DH. I think that was the biggest reason. I also think Lamont Wade uh, Jr.'s knee was a big source of this. I think Longoria's constant being constantly injured was a big part of that. And I think Brandon Belt having one of his um, most injured-prone seasons of, of his entire career, which seems ridiculous to say, but it's true. He, he played the second-least amount of games in his career uh, since his rookie season this year, which just is mind-blowing. Because, you know, I'm just used to him always being hurt, and somehow this was his most hurt season of all. Yep. Uh, next question was how many wins Logan Webb would end up with. Uh, this one, I think we both, uh, I, I was a little too optimistic, but you were close. Uh, ben said 17. I said 20. 17 was a really strong guess, and it was predicated on the Giants being better than they were. Right. Uh, I think the Giants' defense definitely stole some victories from Logan Webb, for sure. Um, I also think their streaky, streaky offense stole some wins from him. So I think, and then you went with 20 because I went with 17. Yeah, I, I just felt like I was in the same boat as you. I felt like, you know, they were going to win a lot of games. He was coming off a really good season. Why not Why not hit 20? Uh, of course, 15 wins, still a very good season for, for Logan Webb. Uh, then we kind of switched to home runs. And if you recall, I think before the season, Joey Bart had not hit a major league home run, and which seems absurd. That is true, and so, I mean, because now that's we just we're just yeah. he hits prodigious home runs, right? Oh, prodigious, and and uh, Bardian yeah, blast, yes, certainly not middling, and 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 Logan Webb uh, had hit a home run in his last at bat, so we we're like, okay, who hits more home runs this year, Logan Webb or Joey Bart? And uh, of course, we both said Joey Bart. I actually predicted 20 home runs for Joey Bart, and that was probably the tequila talking. But I also felt like, you know, Joey Bart has has the power and, and uh, you know, it certainly showed it this year. Uh, I think that there is a 20 home run season in, in him, uh, just not this year, obviously. I don't think, I think 20 is, was, a, was a reasonable, I mean, it would have been exceptional. I, I think it was a reasonable, he lost a month of the season, right, when they sent him down. Was it that long? I don't even know if it was that long, but yeah, uh, it was about three weeks. I, I mean, you know, it was about three weeks. And, I mean, he had and, a week to I go find it, himself in San Francisco, and then they put him. In, yeah, so maybe three weeks. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this is really easy to go look at. We can go figure this. Oh out. yeah, but we don't. But, nobody cares. <laughs> well, so you and I were actually looking at Joey Bart's stats, right? Because the story with Joey Bart's season this was. First half bad, he, second half first, good. Second half good, right? And he and he found himself. They fixed some stuff in his swing, whatever, whatever. And he came back and he was better. 
you and I actually went and looked at his stats, and we they have a very easy split on Baseball Reference where you can compare his first half of the season and the second half of the season. And Joey Bart was a better hitter in the first half of the season. And I, I know that sounds crazy. Well, yeah, and I know it doesn't that... exactly inspire confidence for next year, Ben. No, I and, and I agree, but 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 what the only thing that changed when Joey Bart came back is his batting average went up. And I know that sounds good, right? Well, batting average is not as important of a stat as everybody thinks it is. And his strikeouts went down. Also good, right? No, because his walks went way down. His homers didn't change. His, uh, you know, and but his on-base percentage did, didn't really, like, it suffered. So, like, Joey Bart free-swinging was actually a better hitter overall. And, uh, you know, we all got tired of the strikeouts and the really low batting average. But you know what? I mean, the war and the OPS Plus say that Joey Bart first half was just as good as Joey Bart second half. Um, you know, I mean, the, 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 I mean, basically, it, it's it's uh, it's feast or famine with Bart. It's a home run or a strikeout, and I, I think we want him to swing harder and for the fences more. And maybe he hits six or seven, or maybe he hits nine. I don't I don't know eight or in the eight slot. I would say eight. But uh, but anyway, that was very very interesting. So if those of you who are stat heads, I would say go out there and, and take a gander at Joey Bart's um, season splits because it's it's not as dramatic as you would have thought. I also want to mention that I did not make two trade wins cocktails today, but I am now switching to my old-fashioned traditional rum from Plantation, which is a 69% alcohol by volume overproof artisanal rum. Folks, I'm going 138 proof. It's getting real right now. Oh, man. Do not have any open flame near that bottle. Just saying. This is to celebrate the end of the season. I'm I'm just relieved it's over. <laughs> well, sticking with the Joey Bart theme, our next question was, will Joey Bart beat out Seiya Suzuki for National League Rookie of the Year? We both said yes. You said yes, but Bart won't win. <laughs> and and I and you were definitely right that Bart won't win, but I think we were both wrong in terms of comparing Bart to Seiya Suzuki. Looking at uh, at their comparisons, Seiya Suzuki played in only 15 more games, actually, but had uh, roughly 60 more at-bats, was um, had uh, 14 home runs to Bart's 11, uh, batted 262 to Bart's 215, had a 336 on base to Bart's 296. Uh, just all across the board, Suzuki's numbers were better. And, uh, you know, I, you can factor in maybe Bart's defense into that, and really uh, maybe there's some some value there. But really, Rookie of the Year voters are not looking at defensive value, right? They're looking at offense. And I think Suzuki had a better season. And, and you know, Bart had to figure it out. So uh, hats off to Suzuki. And for those of you who do care about these things, uh, Michael Harris, outfielder for the Braves, is probably going to win this award. OPS plus of 135, a 5.3 baseball reference war. Wow. The reason I say baseball reference is because Fangraphs has a different calculation for the same stat. Yeah. And so they're different. But baseball reference, baseball reference tend to be higher. So five point, but that's a 5.3 war. 
for Michael Harris, center fielder for the Braves. Runner-up is also a Brave. Probably is the pitcher Spencer Strider. ERA plus of one fifty three for the for the Braves. Is that, is that, yeah, yeah, for the Braves. Yeah. A WAR of three point seven. He went uh, eleven and five for the Braves this year as a starting pitcher, uh, appearing in thirty one games, starting twenty. Um, and his actual ERA. Oh my God, his WHIP was zero point nine nine five. Matthew. Yeah. And his ERA was two point six seven. Next year, that's going to be Kyle Harrison. It effing better be. <laughs> you know, it it better be, okay? Like, that's two rookies that showed up this year for the Braves. Oh, my nice. God. Nice. All right. So, uh, next question was, will Logan Webb finish top five in the Cy Young voting? And what that question should have been is, will Carlos Radon finish top five in Cy Young voting? Because we both said yes to Logan Webb. And Logan might get the random like the 10th place vote from the San Francisco beat writer, you know, he pitched well, but probably not Cy Young voting well, but Carlos Rodon has an argument for the Cy Young. Uh, he probably won't win, but definitely top two or three, I think pitchers in the national league this year. Uh, yeah. I mean, apparently the favorite is Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins, which I, is totally understandable. But, I mean, he plays for the Marlins. But you know what? That that tends to not matter as much as it used to. 2.2 ERA, a whip of .98. Um, so, uh, and 228 innings pitched. Um, I don't know why that kid, well, probably just didn't have enough starts. But Spencer Strider should be on this list. But other people on the list, Max Fried from the Braves. Zach Gallen from the Diamondbacks. Oh, good. That's good because, you know, he was real tough against the Giants. It's good to know that that wasn't just us. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Rodon does appear on this list. So, so, so yeah, I mean, he's definitely a top five guy. Logan Webb. Oh, I'm sorry. Should have been. Logan Webb should have been. Should have been. Yeah. Expect more of you, Logan. Well, his, his strikeouts were down, but everything else was very comparable to the previous year, I think. And he pitched more innings than he's ever had. Uh, you know, he... No shame in his season, I think. I think he did no, well. No, no, agreed. Agreed. And and so the next one, I'm going to get through these because we're, we, we've taken a long yeah, time. Yeah, go, go, but, go, uh, go, 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 So, go. Camilo, we, we predicted uh, over 30 saves for Camilo. You predicted 34. I predicted 35. His actual was 27. I think the difference there was just that we thought the Giants were going to win a lot more games. And, oh, yeah. And, and Camilo, especially after he started introducing that sinker to his repertoire, became probably one of the top two to three closers in the game right now. I think if the Giants win are winning 92 to 93 games, Camilo is a nationally known entity. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like everybody knows who he is. Nobody wants to face him. Yeah. He was the NL reliever of the month for September. Exactly. Yeah. Who will hit more home runs was the next one. Tyro Estrada or Joey Bart. You chose Bart. I chose Estrada. I was right. Estrada had 14. Bart had 11. And I know you're gonna be like, oh, that's because he got sent down. Well, he got sent down because he sucked, Ben. Okay. And Estrada. He hit hit five home runs in the first half. He hit six home runs in the second half. There's literally no difference. Nothing changed for Joey Bart. <laughs> Nothing changed for Joey Bart. Like, I don't know. Like, we all, I know it, it sounds crazy. Nothing changed for him. If he hadn't had those three weeks stolen from him by Farhan Zayidi, the genius. Maybe, maybe he would have had 13 home maybe runs. Maybe he would have had those three home runs, you know, and they would have been tied. 
<laughs> you know, I got bamboozled by you, and I got bamboozled by Zaidi. Yes, blame Zaidi. All right, Farhan's fault. Oh, I'm gonna blame Zaidi. All right, and then uh, the next one was over under of games Brandon Belt will play, and this I think is where the alcohol really started to kick in because we said uh, we we listed the over under as 105. And you said 110. I said 125. Like I, that's I was drunk then. Drunk. There's I, no I remember way. you doing that, and I remember laughing. I remember guffawing. I, you, you should have guffawed because 125 from Brandon Belt, who ended up playing 78 games, not even half of the Giants games this year. Mr. Belt played, and probably won't play for the Giants again. Love you, Captain. Love you, Captain. Love you. I think 105 was okay because. He's played. Uh, he's he played. Let's not count his rookie years. So 145, 150. Then we got a whiff of Brandon uh, in in 2014 when he played 61. But then 137, 156, 104, 112, 156, 51 in 2020 when they only played 60, and then 97 last year. When he, you know, yeah. So I thought 105 is actually not that crazy. No, I thought the over under was good, but we both went way over. And, uh, yeah, well, and, I, I went. I was a little bit. I was five games over. Yeah, I was way over. I was. You were crazy. Yeah. You were well, crazy. I was. I, you know, I love the captain, man. I love Brandon Belt. But uh, we, we all do. But but um, we we're gonna miss you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Captain. All right, let's uh, move on. Uh, I think the other ones maybe we can. Uh, you know, we we talked about like yeah. where the Padres will finish. Well, we finished oh, whether how many wins we would have. I don't care about that one either. Uh, yeah, because we were way off. Uh, and, we, we thought they were going to be good. But, and, and then, so did well, the Giants successfully doing their NL title. Uh, we both said no, but I think we both thought we would make the playoffs, and that certainly did not happen. All right. Well, we're 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 getting to the end here, but we need to get through a couple more things. Ben, I wanted to ask you, give me a favorite moment of the year. Like, if you could just like, what was your favorite moment or highlight? of the season because there were there were some really bad moments but they weren't all bad so tell me no, tell me something's good but, i mean my favorite moment was the was the great comeback that we were where we were both there for the game I oh mean, man that I was mine that was, yes i think that was well that might fine you do it too how many highlights were there matthew <laughs> That's you the only know, one I can remember, I mean, Ben. That's I agree. That I agree. I think we all agree on that. The season <laughs> sucked. You know, it was it was it was fourteen and seven, and we were all in April, and we were all like, "Yeah, this is great." And then it was oh, kind of a kind of a not great five hundred month, and then kind of a not great five hundred month, and then that really disappointing trade deadline when they didn't do anything. And JD Davis, you're not nothing. I get it. And then, and then July and August were just like, you know, I think I coined the phrase a fart in the face last year, last week, and I'm going to use that phrase again. <laughs> they were like, they were like, one was a really noisy one, and then August was just a really bad SPD, you know what I mean? And the only saving grace, I felt like you, you had to look for things. You had to look for not just, not just great victory, great games, individual games. You almost had to just look for great plays. You know, well, that's right. what the season felt like. And and that that game against the Brewers was a it was a I want to say it was a Friday night. It was it was uh, you know Yastrzemski hitting the grand slam into you know it was just every Giants fans just jumping up and down except for the three or four people that left right behind us early before the the game ended. Uh, but uh, it was it was a great moment and. 
Yeah, and we were there personally, so obviously that's going to be number one for us. Uh, it was a great moment uh, for sure. Um, I, I would also say this: Camilo developing his sinker. I know that wasn't a thing, like a one kind of moment thing. Yeah. But Camilo developing his sinker. Yeah. That has quickly become one of the most dominant pitches in baseball, and it didn't exist at the beginning of the season. Right. Yeah. And the man, you combine that with 104 miles per yeah. hour, and and On his cutter. it's yeah. just he's he's becoming uh yeah one of the elite closers and. I will say, you know, I was reading one of the articles, I think, in The Athletic, or I don't know where I was reading it, but it was comparing, it was it was talking about Duvall's season, and they listed the top seasons of relievers in Giants history, and Duvall was certainly on that list. But go look at Rob Nen in the year 2000. Just saying. Smoke just saying. On the wall. Oh, one of the great walk-in songs, too. I mean, just Rob Nen in 2000, I would... I would wonder if there's any major league reliever closer that has had a better season than that one. That that God, that slider. That, oh, you know, untouchable, untouchable. Ninety-four mile an hour slider. Rob Nen doesn't get enough love in my book, but anyway, anyway. The, the Giants have some great closers. Yeah. Some great closers, like you know. I mean, I know the count is a little early, but like from starting from Rod Beck. Yeah, Rod Beck even. Yeah, with his curly hair the, coming out of his hat, and, and yeah, and, the big old and, and, and Nen, mustache. And then Wilson, and now Duvall. I mean, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So but I think I think Duvall, Duvall is good enough to be in that group. Absolutely. And and I think he's just beginning, right? I mean, he's just starting yeah. to scratch the surface. And and uh, we will, um, I think, you know, and, you know, there's been some talk about whether he could be good trade bait. Is that Baggerly? Yes. Baggerly wrote that, Baggerly yeah, that did write garbage. That. Yes. And I hate I hate that Baggerly guy. <laughs> he's an excellent writer and writes some great stuff, but, man, he likes to trade. Whatever. The pot, he wants to man. trade. He wants he to starts, trade Camilo. Yeah, well... Yeah, and and I get the argument, and that you know relievers should be you know a lot of times people find relievers and they can create relievers or especially closers, uh, and 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 some teams overvalue them, and you might be able to get uh, something back in return that would be more valuable. But blah but blah that, blah. F that Camilo's our guy. I want to I want to trade Baggerly to the Rockies. Can we do that? Oh, can we trade Baggerly to the Rockies? We'll look into it. I don't know what their beat writers are like, but hey, whatever. Why not? Trade in, trade in you Baggerly. All right. Uh, finally. What are your expectations for the off season? <laughs> okay, are you going to be sanguine and I'm going to be Ben? Um, I want to be sanguine, <laughs> uh, and I will. I will, uh, folks. So you don't have to go you scrambling go. to your your Google if you didn't listen last week. Sanguine means optimistic. Right? You go first. You go first. I want to be sanguine. I want to believe the hype. I want to believe Farhan when he says, and 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 you know the the owner Johnson dude saying, yeah, we're gonna spend some money and we we've, we've got. And I I want to believe that. I do. I want I want to I I I go to bed at night thinking of how awesome it would be to have Aaron Judge just plugged into the number three spot in our lineup, and and Trey Turner at shortstop, and just. Like, oh, I just, I want that to happen so bad. But then I wake up and I realize that this is like the giants of the last like four or five years. And 
we're not getting that. We're getting Michael Conforto, and we're gonna get like you know some guy that hits 400 uh, in 60 games against left-handers, and we're gonna sign him to like a three-year, you know, eight. Million dollar contract backloaded to 11 million in the last year, and maybe the guy has never played a full major league season. And that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get these guys that I just feel like you know that that, that they're gonna be like, Yeah, this is gonna put us over the top. And they might, they might, it might be good baseball players. We might have 2021 20, all over again, but the offseason is not gonna be what we expected it to be and what we're hoping it to be. And um, and I'm gonna be pissed about it. That's that's what my expectations are. How about you, Ben? Okay, so that's the optimist going. <laughs> that's right. Woo! Optimism. Uh, well, that means I have to I have to be the pessimist now. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think we're gonna get we're gonna get complete garbage. Um and or what's gonna feel and look like garbage. And then they're gonna try to tell us how smart it is, they are. <laughs> and how great these guys are, um, and uh, and and you're right; they might be right, right? I mean, they are professionals. Like this is what they do for a living, you know. Like I don't know, I I write code and I manage engineers for a living. So like, what do I know? Like I don't know anything about baseball, but I I, I feel like you know, I feel like they're going to look at forty five million dollars a year for Judge, and they're going to say it's too expensive, so they're not going to go for him. They're not going to they're not going to make an offer above that. And uh, and I also don't think they're going to get Trey Turner. And I also don't think that they're going to get, uh, you know, other mid- middle infielders that might be available like Swans- Swans- uh, Dansby Swanson and uh, Correa. Um, I think they are going to go after guys like Conforto and, and try to tell us how great and smart they are. Um, and uh, and and that's what I expect. You know, I think the good news is you and I talked about this before the show. If you have low expectations, then you can't be disappointed. Right. And, um, and Giants fans, those of you who maybe are on the younger side, maybe don't remember the dark days of the 80s uh, or weren't even around. Um, this is a good strategy for your sanity. <laughs> OK, low expectations, friends, low yeah. expectations. So that way you are not like just devastated when they sign you know Brandon Belt to a two-year extension uh, rather yeah. than signing Aaron Judge I don't think Farhan Zaidi knows what it takes to win a free agent signing like I think that and he's never been the guy he's never been the final decision maker and I think now that he is the final decision maker I think his instincts will tell him that's too expensive and he won't go there and I think that will be true for him forever and he will not—he will not overspend in his mind um, for for a player, and I think that means the Giants will always lose with the big free agents um, as long as he's in charge of the San Francisco Giants, unless he gets overridden by somebody, you know. Um, and I think if he gets overridden by somebody, then that's a sign that he shouldn't be in that position. So, like, I just don't believe that Farhan Zaidi is ever going to be a guy who spends big money on free agents. He's always going to be looking for the bargain. He's always going to be looking for the, 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 the play that other people don't see. 
And I think that we're going to go into next season into being basically what I call a month-to-month phase, at least from the fans' perspective. You know, I think we're going to be like, we're going to be underwhelmed by the free agents that we sign. And, and I, you know, for me, the way I look at it is, is, is like, I either want to see big, exciting names that get me excited about the season, or I want to see a bunch of young people come in, or I want to see wins. And if you do one of those three things, for me, I'll be happy. I think a lot of fans need two of those things, right? Yeah. But if you do one of those three things, like, it, it, you know, and it all comes down to winning. Like, hey, Farhan, if, you know, you want to prove that you're smarter than me and you can do this with all the Confortos and the Joe Blacks and the, you know, the John Browns. I don't know why I made those names up. But if you do that, it's because I, it's because the, the, the 138 is hitting me right now. <laughs> I can actually feel it in my lips. <laughs> but the point is, Matthew, I am not sanguine. No. I'm 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 positively penguin about this season, which is just, you know, I'm I'm only I'm down in the depths. Yeah, I I got some advice cuz I think you're right. I got some advice for Farhan. And I know he listens to our podcast, so I it'll it'll definitely, you know, be be heard. Uh Whenever you're at that point where you think this is too expensive, add 10 million more. Okay? To the year. Yes. Trust me on this. Okay? Because Aaron Judge is going to pay that money back in terms of ticket sales and jersey sales. And, you know, and and you need that because the pitch clock is going to mean less concession stands uh, sales. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought of that, but I thought of that. I was like, well, that's going to be less time to go, you know, get concessions. And so you you got 30 minutes less of a game. That's 30 minutes less of beer, 30 minutes less. But that's another thing. That's another topic. Anyway, I I digress. But I think I'm going to be more viewers on TV, though. Right. Yeah. And and yeah, bigger television contract, whatever. Judge will bring in the money. Spend it. Yeah. How much do you think Cardinal fans are spending on Pujols 700 home runs T-shirts? Exactly. How much? How many Yankee fans are buying sixty-two home run Judge jerseys right now? Yeah, I mean, if if Aaron Judge can approach you know seven hundred home runs or you know get to, I mean, I know this is a stretch, but but get to Bonds territory, right? Like, gosh, now you can have a T-shirt with both of them on it. Yeah. If only we had a comp. If only we had a way of comparing when you bring in a high, a free agent that maybe turns out to be one of the greatest home run hitters of all time. If only, if only if we only, had that comparison. If to, only the Giants had somebody like that in their history that they could compare it yeah, to. I, yeah. I, mm. and, you know, local mm. guy that, you know, just comes in and sets the home, you know, the home run records left and right. Gosh, if only we had someone like that that could point us in the right direction. But Except this time a right-hander. Yes. Who can hit, because right-handers actually hit more home runs at Oracle. Exactly. All right. Well, we are way over our time, probably because, you know, we had a lot to talk about and it's the last, last, uh, it's the last episode. episode of the season. What Matthew, yeah. What are we going to do now? Well, last year we, we kind of went dark for, for a while and then maybe popped in every now and then. I needed a break, man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need a break now. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, we had a. Uh, we also went longer 
we were we were podcasting through October because the Giants were still playing. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's and true. and and so so this year we don't have that. Um, I would like to keep going. There may be a little bit slower on the upload. Maybe not every week, but maybe every ten days, something like that. But I can promise you there'll be Giants talk. There will be maybe more cocktail talk. I think we might do some mailbags if you're on Twitter. You know, we can, mm. you know, and, and I, I did kind of tease that out a while back. Like if, if, if we were to put out a, uh, a prompt for a mailbag, would you, what would you want to hear? And people were saying they would want to learn more about cocktails and have questions about the Giants. So I think this might be the time to break that out. So I think there are still things to talk about and still things to, 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 to figure out as far as that. But also, let's just, you know, talk about cocktails right. and Giants and have fun. Yeah, well, and for those of you who like baseball in general, unlike Matthew, I'm going to be watching the playoffs, right? So, you know... If it's not the Giants, they're dead to me, Ben, all right? 49ers, go 49ers! (laughs) Yeah, Jimmy G. Yes, Jimmy. Woo! Woo! Maybe we should start a a, a 49ers podcast? No, there's too many of them. Oh, there's too many of them. Way too many. Yeah. <laughs> I figures. I figures. There's only like three Giants podcasts. <laughs> exactly. Which ex- there's so only which like explains three, why people listen like to us. There's only two that aren't done by writers, you know? And so. That's, that's true. Okay. Well, so I think the point is we're going to be back. Should we come back next week? Absolutely. We'll be back next week. All right. We'll be back next week. And I'm going to be watching the playoffs. You know, we'll definitely be talking about Giants. You know, hey, we can watch. We can watch Kurt Casale play in the playoffs. We can watch Darren Ruff sit in the dugout when he's not on the playoff roster for the Mets. We can watch future giant Aaron Judge. We can watch Mauricio Dubon in the playoffs. I mean, there's all sorts of giants that are in There's the all sorts of goods. You know, I don't want Aaron. The thing is, I don't want Aaron or Mauricio to win. I'm like, I'm like Tampa Bay Rays or Mariners in the AL, and I'm the only team that I can tolerate. And, and this is only because Sean Estes was played for them, is the Mets. In the National League. After that, I guess it's the Braves. Like, I don't know. Like, who do I want in the National League? I don't want any of them to win. I'm definitely pro-AL. But I want Mets to make the World Series. And I guess I'm either Mariners or Rays. You know, traditionally, I've always rooted for the National League team just because, you know, they had the better style of play. But now that both teams are American, you know, have DHs and there's no difference, I just... I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a favorite in this race. Well, I mean, the Yankees are a great team, and I like rooting for great teams. And, oh, and but New Yorkers Giant... are insufferable when they start. Yeah, but, but future Giant Aaron Judge is on that team, so maybe I want to root for him. Maybe I want to root. But you know what? If they win the World Series, then maybe they're like, oh, come back, Aaron, and we'll do it again. So maybe we don't want the Yankees to win. I know we don't want the Astros to win because they're effing cheaters. They got dusty, but it's, though. But it's dusty. Dusty. Yeah, I don't like and 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 Doobie. Yeah, and Doobie. And you and I had drinks with Dusty one time and we oh uh, he's a good guy. Did we have drinks with him? We had a glass of wine. We rode in the elevator with him. That's what I remember. Well, and then we actually sat at a table, at a high top table, and chatted baseball with him. Oh, that's right, we did. Yeah, and we had we had drinks. He was a nice guy. All right. All right. Nice it, if, well, I mean, I if mean, the Astros and, and we were both series. really good about not bringing up the fact that he took out pitchers to too soon. <laughs> too soon? Like Russell Ortiz. You know, we, we didn't bring up Russell Ortiz once, and I felt really proud of us in that situation. So he was a good guy. I, you know, and we were, we were better that day, I feel like. 
Russell should have gotten the, the complete game victory. Uh, can you imagine if he had finished that game? He'd be, uh, he'd be like, series? it'd be Madison Bumgarner and Russell Ortiz. It would be he'd like, be, yeah. yeah, he would be an effing legend. Yeah. He would be, he would be an effing legend. And now he's only a legend in your household. That's correct. That's correct. Because <laughs> your wife That's just correct. loves him. It was like. That's right. Like if Russell, Russell Ortiz were to Russell. knock on my door one Russell were to lock, knock on my door one day, I would just say to him, uh, just let me grab a few things and I'll leave. It's <laughs> 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 weird. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know that, that Russell Ortiz has many fans like that, but in my, my, my house. My, my wife, of all people, Stan Javier. Yeah, talk about a random name, right? Like, do you remember that he played for the Giants? But yeah, I I do, I do, I do, I do. I will say this: nobody wants FP Santangelo. Oh, poor FP. Although I'm really I enjoying him can't. on the radio, actually. I think he's doing a good job. No, I love, I enjoy him very much on the radio. I was listening to him tonight, in fact. Wow, we're really rambling. You know we what, are. folks? We're going to be back next week. If you like us. And you want to hear more about cocktails, and you want to hear Ben talk about the playoffs, come back next week. And we're really, you know, our, our stats will tell us a lot. <laughs> is it us or is it the Giants? <laughs> you know, I guess it's probably the alcohol. It could be the alcohol, in which case you'll show up anyway. Agreed. All right. Well, on that note, uh, Ben, it was good chatting with you. We'll see you next week. Cheers, my friend. See you next week. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. Bottoms up.